Hi, I'm Shreen Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to marketing leaders who are changing the industry one decision at a time. We've been on a DTC spree recently, and we're going to just keep it going. This week, I talked to Stephen Gutentag. Stephen co-founded 30 Madison, the parent company behind men's hair loss treatment Keeps and migraine treatment company Cove. 30 Madison, which just raised a little over $50 million in funding, is riding the DTC healthcare and wellness wave, which has sought to disrupt a giant $17 billion industry. Stephen and I talked about going beyond being an Instagram brand, how to use TV to find legitimacy, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to Making Marketing. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. So I think a lot of people probably know one of your brands, Keeps, um, but I think a lot of people sort of don't recognize that there is a bigger company behind that and you do a lot more than just Keeps. So I'd love to kind of start actually with, you know, the story of 30 Madison um, and how it began for a lot of people who might not know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like many startups before, it it came from a personal experience. Uh, Previously, my current co-founder and I, we've actually worked together for the last eight going on nine years. And at our last job, we were at Google. And when we were there, I started to go through a a personal health problem, which actually is the spawn for keeps, which was going through hair loss. And I went through an experience that I thought was pretty unique at the time, uh, but learned was quite common, which was I started by Googling my problem. And, and then immediately WebMD told you that you I were dead. I was dying you of were some dead. disease I'd never heard of before, and I should just I love give up. It. You could type in anything. It's just death, isn't it? And, and, but you'll always conveniently get ads for the magical cure of products. Ah, beautiful. Um, beautiful, the internet. Yes. Uh, but but with, with this, I realized as I dug in, and I probably, that there was a range of products that you actually could, and, and it's not all bad, right? Um, there is real information, but it's so buried within a sea of misinformation that it becomes really hard for you to understand what to do, and, and you're often not sure where to turn. You're often not sure if it's a, uh, which you should believe, which information you shouldn't, and as a result, you end up more confused than, than you started. Uh, I got really lucky, and I caught a break, and it turned out that uh, I was able to get a connection to one of the top hair loss physicians in the country. It takes normally six months to get on his calendar, um, and it was an incredible experience. And it was, uh, it wasn't so much that he gave me this magical recommendation that I couldn't find online, but what was really special was, as the expert in the condition, and as someone who is focused on my, that problem, you can tell the difference so easily between going to the expert and what that experience mm-hmm. is like versus just going to a regular doctor. And and the delta between those two is so big and so obvious that you see what an amazing healthcare experience can be like. And what was the two big things that really stuck out to me were one, the consultation itself. So asking the right questions of me and knowing mm-hmm. the questions asked, but also being able to answer any question I could throw at him in plain English. And then the second is, when he made the recommendation of treatments and, and a diagnosis, actually the tips and the tricks around what to expect, how to use the treatments, anything that he's found that over his career has been really helpful. And I felt really good leaving his office until I went to the pharmacy to go buy the treatments he recommended. <laughs> and then? <laughs> and then I realized I'd be paying about $100 a month for the rest of my life. I, I realized at that moment there were really two things that came to mind. One, I was really lucky. I got access to this physician, um, and while I was not very happy about it, I was in the position to 
be able to pay for those treatments. Most people will never get access to that, and most people will not uh, be in the position to pay $100 a month out of pocket for treatment, let alone for hair loss treatment versus a Mm life-threatening issue. And then the second is that it wasn't a, a hair loss problem. This is a much broader healthcare problem. Finding really high quality care, finding the right type of care, and also an experience that really meets what a modern consumer is expecting mm-hmm. is harder and harder to find. You know, the system today is not really built around how consumers today want to manage their healthcare. Sure. The institutions aren't really working. Correct. And it's, and it's also that, um, you know, just the consumer behavior has changed. So, you know, more and more young people today don't have a primary care doctor. You know, back, it used to be that you'd have one primary care doctor. And your whole life. Your whole life. And you would go see them and they'd be your central point of contact. More and more young people don't have that. Mm-hmm. The way that consumers, as a result, manage a lot of their care becomes much more functional. It's, I have a problem and I'm looking for help to solve it. And the system is not built like that. As an individual, you have to piece together all of these disparate parts of the system, whether that's Mm -hmm. insurance, specialists, primary care doctors, pharmacy. Um, You often find out that there's uh, other players that are also involved in setting the price, the Mm -hmm. the treatments, the manufacturers, and so on. And, And so that's a confusing experience at best and a dehumanizing experience at worst. Mm-hmm. The system itself actually hasn't supported it. You see rising costs, obviously, but you also see that the burden of those costs are shifting. Right. So it's no longer that you may have, most people aren't necessarily just paying a $10 copay and then uh, a $10 for their medication and the insurance company covers the rest. More and more people are on high deductible plans. They're paying out the of pocket. The burden is falling on the consumer. Yeah, and when the burden falls on the consumer, you start to think like a consumer. Hmm. And so when you think like a consumer, you care about the experience you're getting and you care about the uh, overall uh, process that you go through. And when you're putting $100, $200 or more out of pocket, you want a place right. that's going to give you that great experience. How much of the fact that men are sort of your primary demographic, um, how much of that does it play a part? Because, you know, we have had a lot of, you know, young, digitally native brands on the show. And I've always found it interesting that the ones that started by targeting men sort of have a very different set of challenges there than if they had sort of targeted women to begin with, because it's just such a different base. I'm curious about what your experience was, especially when you started Keeps. We started with one, not just targeting men, but actually targeting one problem. So Keeps is obviously focused on men's hair loss. Mm -hmm. And we have our second product, Cove, which is focused on migraines. And so we we focus less on the the gender and more on the condition that they're Mm -hmm. going through. But with men's hair loss, uh, what we found is a few things. One, a lot of guys are not thinking, like they're they're falling in the same demo that I just talked about. Not primary, not going to see the doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, They're often just self like googling and 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 self-diagnosing and more often than not they're not really sure when they have these issues what to do many of them are in in my state i was in my late 20s and i was even surprised that hair loss was even happening because i thought that this was something that happens when you're in your 50s or 60s there's some level of misinformation there correct so what what and, and that's also a lot of the traditional companies in in the hair loss space have marketed towards older men which helps drive that misconception. Right, because you're thinking of that certain silver-haired kind of fox idea that has you know, really been the, the image of a lot of these brands. Correct. And so in reality, what you learn is that two out of three guys will start to lose their hair before they turn 35. 
And the second thing is that there are proven treatments to help. And while they've been marketed and they're approved, FDA approved for regrowth, they're actually much more effective when you take them earlier on. Mm -hmm. And so they're much more effective at helping you keep the hair you have than they are at helping you regrow your hair. Right. How does how does somebody find keeps? Like what is that ideal kind of customer discovery or journey for somebody? Okay, this is happening to me. They may maybe they know your brand, maybe they've seen something, but maybe they don't know them. Yeah, and so that that kind of tying to 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 your last question, we had to really educate guys early on that this is something that you can do and that and also what are the early signs of hair loss. And so we definitely advertise when people are searching, but not that many people are necessarily searching, especially when we were starting. Um, and so a lot of what we had to do is reach guys where they are normally. And so this is obviously uh, in many different channels. And when we started, we've tested and, and gone across a variety of different channels. We have, uh, I think, like many direct-to-consumer brands, Facebook and Instagram are core parts of that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's creating content that is eye-catching and educational, but at the same time, just really straightforward and approachable. And and then we've had a expand as we've grown, we've expanded that. We've done everything from advertise across podcasts and, and audio to television. Uh, we've also found other un- channels, everything from dating apps mm-hmm. to content on on certain blogs to YouTube videos and and influencers on on Instagram, and really just tried to reach guys where they are and educate them on this really simple message, which is. Hair loss is really common. It's not something that has to be inevitable. Mm-hmm. And if you take action now, you're very likely to have the ability to keep the hair you have. Going back to those channels, I mean, it definitely seems like uh, it's interesting, again, that trajectory of, like you said, direct-to-consumer, digitally native brands. Um, definitely when they begin, I do think we see sort of a common playbook of go crazy sort of with the Instagram and Facebook advertising. It makes sense. That's where most of the younger consumers are. There's targeting a very specific demographic most of the time. And it's been proven to work. Um, But I'm curious about when you started expanding into, and I know you do quite a bit of TV now, um, if you found that sort of that Facebook is becoming too expensive or doesn't, or does it still work? Is it just that it's it's not worth how much you have to pay to actually make it work? Because there has been a little bit of a flood. Yeah, and there's definitely... I think it, I think it's definitely more challenging than it was uh, a few years ago to continue to grow Facebook. Facebook still remains a very core part of our strategy, and it's one of our you know biggest drivers mm-hmm. of, for for acquisition. We actually I think took a unique approach though, in that when we first launched, within a month we actually launched TV spots. So that's actually very some, early. Yeah, and that's not something that I think startups typically do. And we were fortunate to be in the position to have the ability to do that because it's not a small investment. And, and so you had enough, you had enough funding and you had enough money to actually make that happen. Yes. And so what we did is, is, and that was part of the strategy and approach early on was that we felt when going back to having to educate guys and reach a large group of guys and let them know that this was something they can do. We, we wanted to reach them across channels. The other thing, though, that TV still does, and I think uh, helps set apart a brand, particularly early on, is establish trust. Okay. Because you're more and more accustomed to seeing brands advertise on Instagram, and you're more and more accustomed to seeing advertised brands on Facebook. And if you only see them on your Facebook feed and your Instagram feed, you often dismiss them as, oh, that's just an Instagram brand. And there's a lot of those. And there's a lot of those. And... 
But if you see a brand still on television and you see someone advertising on television, there's something about, one, just seeing them in multiple places, but two, seeing them on a medium that does have that higher price point actually, in a lot of people's minds, maybe this is something that's uh, a little bit more larger. Was that tough to kind of sell as, you know, I think that's a, and that's, I think that's very true. But when you were kind of testing this and look, you were very young. Yes, you had the funding, but at the same time, you're sort of thinking, I got to make the most out of the money I have. You're a young brand. You're not going to blow a ton of money and then hope for the best. I mean, there has to be, was there any trepidation? What was kind of the difficulty of getting to prove that theory that you had? Yeah. So part of it was taking an approach that we felt was uh, that we could learn from our digital experience. So what we did was very iterative testing. So when we launched, we and by no means was this the highest production value TV spot out there. <laughs> what kind of spot this was it? Now, now I'm curious. This, the, the, Describe it for us. This, this was, a, I think, a very well done set of spots, um, but uh, these are not... Uh, you know, tier one brand. Uh, these aren't Super Bowl spots. These are not Super That's Bowl okay. spots yet. Um, uh, soon, maybe. <laughs> um, so what we actually did was we took this approach of saying we want to. We have a few ideas for what this could look like, but we're not really sure. And when you're actually shooting the the actual spots, you get a lot of efficiencies just by doing many at once as opposed to doing one day because there's, there's a fixed Did you cost do this for all day. yourselves so we worked with a, a, a small agency uh, actually based in Brooklyn and they helped us produce uh, two concepts that we were able to shoot over two days uh, it was a very intense two days and it was um, also created event essentially 12 different variations of the spots okay. that we could then start to test and we started with small small to medium-sized budgets. And what that allowed us to do is understand what message was resonating with different guys and, and look at it uh, and then go a little bit deeper. So there was the high-level concept of is a funnier, more spot that played to too late is too late and this idea of having to start things early. And it was a lot of fun to shoot. Um, we It was shot in January and one of the scenes was actually on the beach in in the Far Rockaways, um, and I think there were like four people on the beach besides us <laughs> shooting uh, a, a summer beach scene, and and then the other was much more direct, talking about, hey, I'm not ready to lose my hair, mm-hmm. and uh, those spots we started to run, and we built variations throughout them, and what we found over time was that one, the direct message worked really well, uh, the approach of just this is what it is. We're going to be really straightforward with you. It's it's very approachable, yeah. and we're going to make it really easy, and then let you get back to your life. So you because that's interesting to me because you were look you were on Facebook and Instagram, but also at the same time you were cognizant that you don't want to just be like lumped in with the sea. Frankly, a very similar looking product. I mean, there is the gradients, there is the same colors, and there is I think a danger of people just starting to have kind of scroll by everything and having a little bit of fatigue there. At the same time, you're now on TV, and but you also don't want to then be lumped in with the plethora of health or healthcare oriented or ads for pills that. Also, you run the danger. You can't you can't risk looking like those old school yeah. pill companies, but you also don't want to be lumped in with the Instagram companies. It's sort of that's a tough place to be in because you could have you could have very well gone that way and said, now everyone just thinks we're yet another company that's owned by a giant, you know, 
Pfizer or something. Yeah, and I think I think part of that goes back to the creative strategy and, and really making sure you have a cohesive message across everything. So every single channel that we run in had to have, while there were variations in the actual creative and the way we and the and the, the actual words that were said or the images that were shown, everything has to tie back to this really straightforward message, which is if you have hair and you're starting to lose it and you don't want to take action now. I thought you were going to say, if you have hair, you're going to lose it. <laughs> and then it just, the fear mongering is one of No, but the, the, the approach is very much just, there's a really straightforward solution to this. You just have to take action. Okay. And that message works across the channels. And the other thing is, we've all seen those uh, pharma ads on TV where you spend five seconds talking about the benefits and 55 seconds talking about how it's going to hurt you and, mm-hmm. and you don't really relate to it. Our, our ads are not about the medications. None of our ads are about the medications. They're about hmm. losing your hair. They're just about the problem. Okay. And so it's about letting you know, like, hey, there's something you can do if you're doing this. You can check out our website to learn more. And so it's not so much about a specific treatment mm-hmm. as much as it is encouraging you to start to take action. You mentioned earlier sort of that trust, right? That people, if they see a brand on TV, they're going to say this brand is legit. And, you know, especially when you're talking about the category you're in, it matters more. It's something you're going to put in your body and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to ingest it. Um, Did you, was that true? Was that something that, I don't know, that you found later on in your results that trust became higher once you started running TV? How did you know it worked? I think what we saw were a few things. One, we, we definitely see from TV specifically, uh, every time a spot runs, we see a nice spike on on, on our site. Um, and we see those customers are quite strong customers for us. They they convert nicely. They stick around. They're, they're actually very interested. Um, they're obviously higher intent in that. Uh, they saw a TV spot, pulled out their phone or their computer, and then came to the site mm-hmm. after. So they're taking extra steps. It's not that they're just clicking. The second is that... Um, when someone sees you either on one channel or another, they actually pl- it's not in isolation, it's about the overall impact. So you see improved conversion across other channels when it's not the first time they've seen you, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that we found that that really helps because TV, there's something nice about it, which is it reaches everywhere in the country and it's really broad. And so you reach a very large number of people and you start to get them to recognize your name and your brand so that mm-hmm. if they do see you on Facebook or if they do hear you in their podcast or they do find you um, on a website that they're reading, this isn't the first time they've heard about you and then they're that much more likely to go through and engage. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, do, I do wanna talk a little bit about sort of overall kind of what comes next because I think that there's, there's a lot kind of going on in terms of DTC brands growing up um, and it relates nicely to this TV conversation we're having. But first I wanna talk a little bit about Cove because yeah. um, that's much newer um, and I'm curious about again, the impetus behind that and how it's gone so far. Yeah, so we, we, we just recently released Cove, which is our second brand and uh, our approach, going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, which is we're, we take a very condition-focused approach or a problem-focused approach in that if you have a health problem, we want to build a full-service solution that's the best place to go to help you manage that problem. And over the last year, and we realized that this was not limited to hair loss. And so over the last year, we, we've continued to build out the underlying platform that Powers keeps. So that's our telemedicine 
platform. It's our uh, ability to service different types of treatment options and deliver them on a regular cadence. It's the technology and tools to help you manage and track your condition. So with hair loss, it started with uh, actually the same in the initial consultation. We prompt you to take a set of photos and we periodically prompt you to take those same set of photos over time. Um, We've carried that through as we launched our second condition, uh, which is focused on migraines, and that's Cove. Mm -hmm. And migraines is a one of the most common conditions in the world. It's the third most common chronic condition. Mm -hmm. um, it impacts a billion people globally, uh, uh, about forty million people in the U.S. I'm curious about why why migraines. I mean, yeah, obviously, yes, it's it's a common ailment and it's something that needs help and I think a lot of people there's a lot of misinformation etc around it but at the same time you're already well known or getting to be well known in a market for a specific demographic with a specific problem why not extend there why not go into other you know male specific issues for example yeah it's a great question and so going back to kind of that original approach which is we focus on one condition at a time and want to build the best experience. And we want to look at conditions that are really good fit for our model and our operations. And, and migraines is one of the, the, is an incredibly strong fit for that for a few reasons. So one, similar to hair loss and keeps, it has the same problem, which is there's a ton of misinformation on, out there. It's often undertreated and underdiagnosed. So of those 40 million people who suffer from migraines, about half will never see a doctor. Um, they often are self-medicating with treatments that they really should not be continuing mm -hmm. to use, and, and they don't even know that there's actually better options out there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a huge lack in specialists. So something that's really interesting is that if there's, if you, there's only less than 500 people in the United States who are certified in the specialty of headaches. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, for 40 million people. Okay. So, it's about so you don't have a lot of competition, <laughs> is what you're saying. Uh, so there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of just ability to improve sure. the experience. Yeah. And so what we launched is something that I think is really special, and the early results are, are so encouraging in that uh, what we hear from our customers and people who are coming to the site is just an overwhelming outpouring of appreciation and love. I, I think... Uh, we've had people already in just tell us this is one of the best healthcare decisions they've ever made. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what's really special about it is what we're trying to do is give access to this really high quality specialized care mm -hmm. and a range of treatments. So with Cove, we're taking a lot of learnings from Keeps. So uh, the experience is, is quite similar, obviously highly tailored to that condition, which is a telemedicine visit that is specialized around migraines, built in conjunction with leading neurologists and headache experts. It's access to a range of FDA-approved treatment options for both pain relief as well as preventative measures. And then it's tools to help you track your migraines and help you understand what the impact is of your treatment regimen on frequency and severity and work with your doctor to adjust. So one, one obvious point after this for me is that, look, you've got a ton of great data uh, on your customers. Obviously, all of it's being used for very good reason and all of that. But at the same time, you're able to then make pretty educated, I think, decisions on how you target them, how you market to them, give them those personalized kind of treatment and options and content where mm -hmm. necessary. And also, it tells you a lot about where you could go next and how your growth trajectory looks. Give us a little bit of a, 
of an explanation of how you're able to use that data and just really smart ways to figure out the growth of your brand. Because I think that's that really, to me in a nutshell, is what makes a DTC brand kind of very different from legacy companies. I know most people like to talk about you know erasing the middleman and all of that, but I think to me it's that direct relationship with the customer, which nobody can really replicate. So I think there's two things. It's the direct relationship with the customer, but in healthcare, what's really special is the fact that with this end-to-end model, we can actually create a tighter feedback loop between us, the patient, and the physician. Okay. That's not possible, not only in just D2C, but really in healthcare today. Okay. So looking at COVID as an example of this, uh, it starts with all the information that someone provides up front about their history with the condition, as well as their overall medical history. Then it, that is connected to what the doctor recommends, both from a diagnosis and treatment recommendation, and then it's that ongoing relationship where someone's using our tracking tools and helps understand what the impact is on on their actual mm-hmm. condition. Mm-hmm. And all of that is tied together in the same place. Mm-hmm. And so what we can do is one that can help inform both better diagnoses in the future. It can help an individual have a better understanding of their condition and what might be triggers, what might be uh, helping uh, improve or not improve it. But then on top of that, it can also help us lead to make sure we understand, do we need to add additional products to the, to the uh, offerings mm-hmm. that we have the right range of treatments based on the needs of our patients and go and source those? Or are there other extensions here that might make sense based on the needs of our patients right. um, and our customers? And that's really what we use it for, is to really just continue to improve on the experience for our existing customers, but also to deliver better experiences for our future customers and really grow into the, the brand. We have two brands out in the market today. We're very early in the stages of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much room for continued growth in both of these. These are uh, some of the most common conditions in the world. They're also extremely uh, personal and something that impacts you every single day. And so really making sure that we get not only the experience right, but continuing to hone in on our, our message, the where we reach our guys, and also starting to segment. Because what we've, we've learned as we've grown is obviously not every guy who's experiencing hair loss is the same, and not every person who experiences migraines is the same. And so it's about also making sure that we have the right message at the right time, and, and we know when to bring in uh, like the, the doctor and, and us mm-hmm. versus when to just allow that person to do their own research and, and get their own education. Um, you're in a pretty, you're a very interesting space, but also what I think is an increasingly crowded space. I was just looking up, you know, just kind of investments in just different kind of various, again, quote unquote, DTC categories. Um, I think CPG is really high up there. I think you're seeing a lot of really interesting um, investing happening and, and growth happening in kind of food and snacks, which is great. Um, but I, th- what I found interesting is is between sort of that healthcare plus wellness, right? And I know that you're sort of moving more towards healthcare. This is a legitimate health issue and a medical issue that you are now trying to provide a solutions for. But at the same time, sort of you are adjacent to this like wellness boom that's happening. Yeah. Everybody wants to be well well now. I mean, self-care. Somebody <laughs> tell me, I mean, somebody was telling me sitting was the new smoking and I almost collapsed because I think <laughs> I think I'll have to take up smoking again. Um, but, but I think it's interesting to talk a little bit about um, about what you do when you're in that space. Because going back to that sea of sameness problem that you're talking about on Instagram, I mean, does that worry you? Is that a challenge that you're, you are in a very hot category, which has its benefits because you can get funding and attention and people recognize it and there's trust growing in it. But at the same time, the competition is absolutely enormous. 
Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a really great place to be. You want to be in a place where that is that is has not only attention but is just so much ripeness for change. Mm-hmm. And if you going back to where we started at the beginning, it's healthcare and wellness hasn't changed that much. And so what it does do is it makes it really important for you to know what you stand for, what your brand message is, what are the pillars of that brand? How does that translate across every channel and just have that really consistent message across everything? Because I think that's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a lot easier to run a lot of different Instagram or Facebook ads and posts and lose sight of what the core part of your brand is. Mm. And when we think about standing out in in healthcare, standing out in wellness, it's one, making sure that every brand that we have has a very clear voice, has a very clear message, and continues to hammer that home every mm-hmm. single time. The second thing, though, is that as we develop the, the visual styles for brands, we obviously want to make sure that that's something that, I think if you took this maybe 20, 30 years ago, you would talk about, does this stand out on the store shelf and does this catch your eye on the store shelf? Now it's, does this stand out on the Instagram feed or the Facebook feed? And is this going to get someone to stop their feed? Right. And so that means not only does the creative have to do that and, and the actual images that you're using, but also just does the, the, the visual language of the brand allow you to do that mm-hmm. and really have its own stand on its own feet. But you you mentioned store shelf actually, but you know, more and more and then that's sort of part of the It's coming back. Right. <laughs> everything, it's coming everything back. Everything comes back in full circle. And I think it's it's sort of the return of this it's like the new normal. Like what used to be the thing that again a lot of people are like, oh what what denotes a DTC brand? It's because they're online only. But I don't think that's true. Again, I think it's that direct relationship we just mentioned. Um, so it doesn't preclude digitally native brands from starting stores, clearly. Yeah, that <laughs> doesn't stop them from doing TV advertising, clearly. So again, is it is it all just coming back to this like middle point? I mean, legacy brands are starting to act like DTC brands. DTC brands are now looking a lot like those legacy brands that they sought to disrupt. I mean, we're all sort of coming back to this kind of normalization of the entire thing. Where does that place uh, a brand like yours? Yeah, so I think... You're going to see a, sh- a big shift, in, in, particularly in wellness and healthcare. Whenever it comes to reaching customers, again, it's about finding them where they are. And people are more and more online, but they also still live in the real world. And, and so you want to make sure that you are accessible where, where consumers are. And that can mean where they shop physically. It can mean where they go exercise. It can mean uh, also making sure that you are available online. And, and again, just that you have that cohesive message. What, what's really important there is that they stay connected, that you understand the data and who you're, where your customers are coming from and you tailor the experience. And the other thing, when you think about where DTC brands are going and, and what categories are really, you've seen a huge rise, as you said, in CPG already. You've seen this impact so many categories. We're so early in healthcare. Mm. Um, we're so early, in, and, and healthcare is one of our largest industries in the country. I think it's it's something like 17% of GDP um, or around there uh, is spent on healthcare, and so and it also happens to be one of the most painful. And it's one of the most painful experiences. And there's so much, and and most of the experiences today still happen offline, right? And it still happens in the traditional model. And so there's a huge opportunity for just a general shift towards this. And if you think about all the competition in, in D2C today and mm-hmm. all the companies that are that are tackling different parts of it, 
there's an opportunity for many big companies. If you think about in the real world today, you think about all the pharmacies. We live in New York. How many different pharmacy, large pharmacy chains are there around the country? How many different uh, healthcare providers are there? How many different uh, manufacturers are there? Uh, it's it's such a big problem, mm-hmm. and I think the other thing you'll see, which enables a, a variety of testing and different channels and experiences, I think is really core to the D2C model, is just, okay, so you're selling a product. Uh, going back to the core economics of that product, is it something that either costs a lot and is very expensive, um, and the average order value is quite high? Is it a product that you're going to use for years, and someone's, and every time you get a new customer, they're going to stay with you for a long time? And so you have to think about those core pieces to each individual business mm-hmm. to make the decision of does storefront make sense for you? Does TV make sense for you? Does digital only make sense for you? And at what point does it make sense for you? So store is coming or no? Uh, not. I can't, I can't talk about anything like that right now. All right. We'll leave it with that <laughs> little bit of mystery from Stephen. Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer, of course, is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Give us a shout out on iTunes or tweet at me. I'm at Shreen Patek. You can also send me an email at Shreen at Digiday.com. I can't wait to hear what you think. This week, I want to give a shout out to the wonderful Kristen Meisner, who reviewed and rated us on iTunes and said he looks forward to this podcast every week. Shreen delivers a genuine and informational conversation with industry leaders on creative media, emerging tech, evolving client needs, and everything in between. Highly recommend Thank you, Christian. I'm blushing, and I hope you continue to send us your thoughts about the show. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week.